At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Hey, it's Will Friedle. And Sabrina Bryan. And we're the hosts of the new podcast, Magical Rewind. You may know us from some of your favorite childhood TV movies, like My Date with the President's Daughter. And the Cheetah Girls movies. Together, we're sitting down to watch all the movies you grew up with and chat with some of your favorite stars and crew that made these iconic movies happen. So kick back, grab your popcorn, and join us. Listen to Magical Rewind on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. Work. This is the Los Angeles CityCast with Danielle Alvari, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome in to the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet Rivers Sportsbook. I'm your host, Danielle Alvari. Very sad. I'm very sad, you guys, because the WNBA season has finally wrapped up as far as the regular season is concerned, of course. And playoffs kick off on Wednesday, so you know we'll talk about that today. And, of course, we'll also have a preview that breaks down the specific Wednesday games going on for the Wednesday show as well. But on this lovely Tuesday, I just want to take a moment to shout out Sylvia Fowles. My goodness. So we we saw the final game of Sylvia Fowles, the Minnesota Lynx. Unfortunately, if you had that 101 or whatever future taken on the Lynx to win it all, they will not be in playoffs, unfortunately, on Sills last year. She announced earlier this year this would be her last season, so really unfortunate. But she did deal with a knee cartilage injury halfway through the season for herself. Uh, Nafisa Collier obviously was out after giving birth and miraculously came back so quickly from that to try to help push them over the top. And... Uh, it was a really sad way to go out. I mean, a lot of people were upset, myself included, with Kurt Miller, the head coach of the Sun, who's playing as starters uh, and keeping the Minnesota Lynx out of the playoffs when the Sun didn't really need that win. But I digress. Nevertheless, uh, just Sylvia Fowles, what an incredible career. Uh, came to Minnesota in 2015 from Chicago, played her first seven seasons in Chicago, but then turned the Lynx into an absolute dynasty, won four titles in seven years, was a two-time finals MVP, and that was, of course, when Minnesota won it in 2015 to 2017. But one of the coolest stats really came from Jake Wolf, I think, who tweeted this out, who does great work with NBC Sports Edge. So thank you, Jake, for this one. 
Fowles ranked in the top 10 for blocks per game during 14 of her 15 WNBA seasons. Top 10 blocks per game, 14 of 15 seasons. With a seven-game 2020 season as the only exception. And she was still ranked 11th. 11. She was one spot away from being in top 10, playing only seven games. That's the most top 10 blocks per game seasons in WNBA history. Just a complete legend. And uh, I will miss the severe cheekbones and the severe blocking prowess. Shout out to Syl. And uh, let's move on to what we're going to talk about in today's show. So uh, today, part one is going to be LA Today. A little bit of everything. Kind of a smorgasbord, a charcuterie, if you will. An LA charcuterie. Rams, Dodgers, UCLA, USC, Dodgers. I already talked about Dodgers. Well, there's no Angels, so there'll probably be double Dodgers <laughs> to discuss, unfortunately, if you're an Angels fan. But if you're a WNBA fan, I'll also get into the WNBA playoffs. Kind of looking at it from a macro level, if you will. Kind of preview. We will have Calvin Wetzel from Spread the Floor on Wednesday's show to break down the micro level, if you will, the first rounds that we'll see on Wednesday and Thursday. But we're going to just look at an overview and the really important storylines to know as well. This is a good, in case you don't know what's going on, the WNBA playoffs, let's catch you up moment. But before we do any of that, let's take a look at the local Los Angeles odds. So just looking at some of the NFL odds here that I found interesting on Bet Rivers, really. Uh, the Chargers obviously betting markets to make the playoffs at yes, minus 177. I don't even think is an unfair price, to be honest with you. No, at plus 144. You can bet on their division finishing position. So if you think they'll get first, plus 225. Second in the division, plus 235. And again, these West divisions, both NFC and AFC, are are relatively tough now maybe not as tough as years past but definitely not uh not one of the easier divisions if you will looking at you nfc south usually uh number of games won in the regular season for the chargers you can get over nine and a half at minus 177 eh, eh. Uh, you can get over 10 and a half at plus 110 11 wins that's a big ask and then of course there's the always fun stage of elimination so you can bet when they will be eliminated not to make the playoffs at all at plus 144 defeated in the wild card round at plus 275 and defeated in conference finals at seven to one interestingly enough so lots of fun stuff you can play around with there if you're looking for some chargers action as for the rams what stood out to me was some of the series betting you can take a look at at bet river so if you just search for the rams and you scroll down you'll find the different series betting you can look at and it's within their division so you can look at the seahawks versus the 40 or excuse me the seahawks versus the rams you can look at uh, i believe the broncos versus the rams but what i'm looking at of course is the 49ers versus the rams not just because i'm a bay area girl who has transplanted herself to la but also because is this not one of the most interesting and fun matchups in the NFL, really. And and frankly, I'm talking about Shanahan versus McVay, right? That's the interesting matchup here for me. And you can bet on this series who will win the series, right? So two games, if it's tied one and one at minus 115, very possible that they split these games. Or the Rams to win both at plus 195. Or the 49ers to win both at four to one. Tell me that's not possible. Like, that's sort of interesting. And if I was a 49ers fan, which if you're a 49ers fan, you're probably not listening to the Los Angeles City cast, but maybe you are. Maybe my Bay Area people are out there. Uh, or maybe you just also think that Shanahan has a way of figuring out McVeigh. Either way, wow. Oh my God, guys, should I be a rapper? That was such a moment. Anyways, 49ers, four to one. 
to win this series versus the Rams. I know that's not what you want to hear on the Los Angeles City cast, but we have some sneaking questions, suspicions about the Rams that we'll get into in just a bit here. So I thought that was interesting. Also, Rams to win the NFC West at plus 125, which we'll talk about it. But before we do, let's get ready to kick off fall and football season with Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Join Bet Rivers on Wednesday, August 17th for Win Total Wednesday. Wednesday, players who place a wager on any NFL or NCAA football team season win total. This is the day to do it on Wednesday. You get a free $10 Bet Rivers bet. Take advantage of that free money. Head to BetRivers.com or download the Bet Rivers app all season long for the latest odds and unique promotions because Bet Rivers is your go to sportsbook this fall. It's a whole new game. Let's move on. Let's talk about, uh, let's start on the Rams part of the charcuterie board, if you will. What are the Rams on the charcuterie board? I feel like they're like, have to be one of the meats, right? They're one of the definitely more satiating pieces on the board. We'll say they're a prosciutto. Perhaps that's too fancy for the Rams, but we're going to move forward. In their first preseason win in almost three years, on Saturday, they beat the Chargers, led by quarterback Bryce Perkins, 29-22, to and they were not favored in that game. I believe it was uh, Chargers minus three and a half, something to that nature. I don't bet on preseason football. I wouldn't dare have the hubris <laughs> to think that I could figure that one out, but there are definitely people who are good at it uh, and who like to bet it. I do not tend to find a lot of edges in this, but there you go right there. I, I definitely think because we're not expecting the Rams to be playing many, any of their starters. And we'll talk about again, why in just a few moments are the questions that we're having. Uh, but on Friday, they are having another preseason game. They're hosting the Texans. Ugh, what a dumpster fire. And wouldn't you know it? 99.7% of the money line money is on the Texans at Bet Rivers. I had to double check on this. A double take, if you will. But the Texans are three and a half point favorites, similar to how the Chargers were, and the Rams just beat them in the preseason. Also, these are obviously very early splits that we get uh, via Bet Rivers. Uh, and by we, I mean the lovely people who host the different city casts uh, that you can find the New York, the Los Angeles, etc. But 99.7% of the money line money on the Texans for Friday's preseason game, 97.7, so nearly 98% of the money on the Texans spread. Again, that's sitting at minus three and a half. And 80% of people on the over for this game. You want to tail the public or do you want to fade them? I don't want to bet NFL preseason because that's just not in my wheelhouse. But uh, that said... There's also something interesting going on on Tuesday, of course. The NFL's first roster cuts have to be done by 4 p.m. Eastern time, so 1 p.m. Pacific. Uh, so that will also be a bit of news, but maybe not as central as some of the starters that we are having some issues with. So the questions that I've alluded to here, Matt Stafford's elbow issue. Not new news. We know about this, but more and more curiouser and curiouser every day, if you will, because... What did McVeigh describe it as? An abnormal, which it's so funny to me too when you get sound bites and then all you see is headlines or them in font because you read it so differently as I'm sure we know at this day and age with the way that media is and how we see uh, clips pulled and sound bites pulled without context, without context, most of the time without context. But 
Uh, not in this case necessarily where McVeigh was misquoted or anything, but I just think it's interesting that like we're all latching onto this McVeigh called it abnormal and it's probably just like the first term that came to his mind really when describing this because it's usually, a as he went on to say, usually an injury you would see with maybe a baseball pitcher. And so for football, those trainers maybe haven't dealt with this as commonly because they don't see it in a lot of NFL quarterbacks. Is that a bad thing? Probably. But at least he didn't require any more surgery. He's done some non-surgical intervention at least. And we know that this issue goes back to last season as well. He played through that. He's played through lots of injuries. That to be said, you don't want to be going into the start of a season, even though, again, this dates back to last season really, with an injury, with a nagging, whether it be tendonitis or whatever you want to call it. I think that that is causing a lot of people to pump the brakes on the Rams. And maybe that opens up an opportunity for the people who believe this isn't a big deal to get in on the Rams and hey, lo and behold, they'll be fine. Now we're going to find out more because Stafford's going to be a full participant on Tuesday. First team offense is going to run more than 60 plays according to coach Sean McVay. Again, I just can't stop rhyming guys. So Stafford's going to have a little back-to-back -back day action. They're going to see what his elbow looks like how it holds up so we should have a little bit more detail after that but again you know they're going to keep their hats low on this one also not the only person to be dealing with an injury right now cam Akers and daryl henderson those running backs did not practice monday mcveigh described their injuries as soft tissue injuries which admittedly sounds a lot better than abnormal but neither Akers nor henderson who went through agility drills with trainers uh, are scheduled to play in a game until the opener. So joint practices with the Bengals in the coming weeks, TBD. Akers, in case you forgot, sat out most of last season because of an Achilles tendon injury. He returned for the season finale, played in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. Maybe didn't live up to his expectations of what he wanted, but at least he was able to come back. So it's, it's really tough to hear about soft tissue injuries, especially because we just know how long those take. That's just not the same thing as a broken bone. But... For that reason, for many reasons, there are question marks. There are clouds around the Rams. And so maybe even more the reason to take a look at the 49ers to win the series. I don't know. You have to believe in Trey Lance, I guess, is the real question there. What about the other LA team? I know. I call the Chargers that every season, and that's just probably very disrespectful. But nevertheless, um, they are the other LA team. <laughs> they are, which, you know. It's, it's, I don't know. It's like being the second born. It's like not an insult. It just is. So the Chargers, really interesting article in The Athletic came out, actually, which I highly recommend you take a look at. A very interesting read. I always think The Athletic does a really nice job with their stories. I enjoy reading most of them. And it was a Brandon Staley-centric article, and he talked about this book in it a lot. And I'm going to give you some excerpts from the article just because I found them interesting. And mostly as it pertains to betting, actually, because he's talking a lot about uh, analytics and probability models, which is what we deal in with sports betting. So I thought there was a little bit of crossover there. So uh, also this book he keeps mentioning, now I have to read it. It's like, ugh, just add it to the pile of books that are building up that I'm like, ooh, I need a new book. And I haven't even finished the first one I'm reading. So Staley said, uh, I think the problem with analytics put it in air quotes probably, when you use that word, immediately somebody is feeling something and they shouldn't be. If it was another team that people, or another term, excuse me, that people were more comfortable with, then there would be a different response. But analytics has 
well, it's like it doesn't belong in ball. It belongs in the CIA. It belongs in investment banking. It doesn't belong in sports, and that's not true. Information has been how people have been making judgments in this game since Paul Brown and Vince Lombardi were coaching. What we try to do, use data to make better decisions. So sound familiar? I mean, if you're doing sports betting, we're definitely looking at analytics and making decisions that way. It's huge in sports, whether it's actually the coaching level or, you know, betting from your couch. So I thought that that was really interesting that he pointed that out, that I do think that there's a rash of people who are very much, I want to do just the eye test or even focus more on qualitative things as opposed to the analytics and the quantitative data. We know people who only go by the quantitative data in the betting space. And usually the best answer is probably a little bit of both, right? But definitely not ignoring the analytics. So he goes on to say that at the start of each series of downs on offense, there's win probability models that the Chargers football research department puts together. And it basically indicates how many yards the offense has to gain on the different downs, first, second, third, to actually go for it, or a green light, <laughs> a green, according to the team uh, lexicon, to decide whether they're going to go for it or not. And uh, he basically says you don't have time to make these decisions with lots of discussion and things of that nature, so he just thinks you can be a de better decision maker if you have things modeled way ahead of time, which we don't always have the luxury of doing in sports betting. But you go into the game with a plan, you absolutely can do that in betting. And then that way you're saying no, as opposed as deciding yes or no in that moment. You're already just being like, no, that's that's it. Um, he also uses a yes unless, which I also think could be applied to live betting. I'm going to do this unless. So I thought it was all really good crossover. Also, he read this passage from The Undoing Project. He's really He pulled this book off his shelf for this interview, and I now have to read it. Uh, basically referencing a point about lung cancer and that doctors in the early 80s would say surgery or radiation, basically, and that uh, surgery was more likely to extend your life, but unlike radiation, it obviously came with the risk of instant death, which is something to consider, of course. So when doctors told people they had a 90% chance of surviving surgery, 82% of the patients were like, yeah, let's do it. But when you told them they only had a 10% chance of dying from the surgery, you have a 10% chance of dying. So it's just another way of saying that only 54% chose the surgery. So it's how you present the information. And again, tying it back to betting. We know it's a betting podcast. We got it here, guys. It's how you present the information. We talk about this all the time with trends. You can say in the last four games, the Dodgers have covered every single game, but what happened in the 10 before that? Or who did they play in those four games? There's so many other questions that go into that. And again, in case you missed it, great episode, very evergreen, not time sensitive with Matt Brown a couple episodes back where we did do's and don'ts of betting NFL and really just football in general. And he talked about this too, about, when trends get too specific, that should be a red flag goes up for you. Oh, they're 10 and one in Tuesday games dating back to this year when it rains and it's this, there's too many factors that are being considered there. So that said, um, just different ways of presenting information and how that can affect your brain. So yes, know that you can in sports betting, make an argument for anything. Anyways, I know that's not what Staley was talking about, but I, of course, had to put a betting spin on it. The Dodgers at the Brewers, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They shut them out on Monday, 4-0. to zero. Dodgers are rolling. No updates there. They host the Marlins later this week. We'll have Adam Burke on uh, Tuesday. Yeah, Tuesday to preview the Wednesday. So for Wednesday's pod, we will have Adam Burke, yes, uh, to talk about 
some baseball, but probably more football because the poor man has to keep talking about baseball when there's not always something exciting and new to add. And we don't like to just force, force bets or force conversations. So something to look forward to. But uh, the Dodgers did announce, this was the headline, that Walker Bueller having season-ending elbow surgery next week. Yikes. Uh, initial timeline for him was 10 to 12 weeks, but then Dave Roberts told reporters in Milwaukee on Monday that he was experiencing uncommon soreness while playing catch, hit him with an MRI, he shut down for good. Uh, you may remember, he's 28 now, but he did undergo Tommy John surgery shortly after the Dodgers drafted him. Back in 2015, he was 24th overall pick out of Vanderbilt. So this is not not a new situation for him, un, unfortunately. But hopefully it's not Tommy John. Again, they've been a little bit cryptic about to say exactly what and that the MRI wasn't maybe as conclusive. But no Bueller. Season-ending injury. Really upsetting. But it is kind of charming, I guess is the word I'll say, that any Dodgers fans would get upset to the point of saying, Oh no. Like I know he's okay. Yeah. Oh, that's your best postseason pitcher probably, but the Dodgers have the highest winning percentage and the lowest ERA in the major leagues right now, even with all the injuries to their roster, 11 pitchers currently on their injured list and still highest winning percentage, lowest ERA. Dustin may also expect it. Look, I can't stop rhyming guys. It's all day. <laughs> Anyways, Dustin may expected to make his return from his Tommy John surgery on Saturday. How great was it to be the one guy to be the Tommy John guy? It's like they're going to name this after me, but like it's probably the worst because it just reminds you every time. Anyways, late night thoughts. So Dustin may expected to make his return on Saturday. That's exciting. And obviously hopeful that Clayton Kershaw will be back. Really, the Dodgers are going to start August or excuse me, October. Oh, I guess it's already happened. They're going to start October with Walker Bueller out, of course. Kershaw barely back uh, from injury, short, almost back. May, uh, Dustin May, will be in the early stages of his return. And Tony Gonsolin, what career high in innings for him at this point. Julio Rios and Tyler Anderson going to be leaned on heavily, of course. So, you know, this this year, two teams with the best records in each league get a first-round bye. That would be nice. That would be nice for the Dodgers. USC and Utah, a game you have to watch. Uh, I, this was in an article on VSIN, the Vegas Stats and Information Network, where I work. And I also host this podcast sponsored by Bet Rivers. That's the context here. But VSIN had this article about games you don't want to miss college football this year. And Utah-USC was on there. So, obviously... These are the top two teams in the Pac-12 in terms of the odds board as well. Uh, obviously, going to be a very interesting game for that reason. Utah, massive home field advantage. USC needs to beat Utah, especially if they want to be, you know, these national championship contenders that people seem to think they are. Uh, but it wasn't USC, obviously, last year that was the talk of the town. Utah won 10 games last year and won the conference title before losing to Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. Very thrilling fashion, by the way. But Utah has 14 starters back. Now you have shiny new Lincoln Riley, of course. Fell short of a national championship at Oklahoma, but did coach the Sooners to three playoff appearances in five years with a 55-10 and 10 record. All that to say, look for high totals for USC this year. Matt Eumanns talked about this for VEASAN as well and uh, did a great Pac-12 preview that you can check on vcin.com as well if you want to read a little bit more about the Pac-12. But high totals, 
High totals are the way to look for the USC games this year. You're going to see them on the board. Let's wrap it up with some UCLA discussion. Four years for Chip Kelly to get a winning season at UCLA, and all of a sudden we're just okay with that. Uh, that said, he's got eight starters returning. The schedule is easier. Can they win nine games? The total at Bet Rivers for wins at UCLA uh, for UCLA was eight. It quickly moved to eight and a half. Many books still have it at eight and a half. Will it go over that? There's debate. Will it be exactly eight wins? Will it hit that nine win mark? And it just seems really dicey. Uh, realistically, and this is how it should go, not how it will go, the Bruins should be 5-0 and when they get to Utah on October 8th. They're hosting them, by the way. So that home field advantage we were talking about with USC and Utah, not a problem for UCLA here. But unfortunately, those Utah fans do like to travel, and UCLA fans are notoriously not so much show-uppers. We're just going to push past that. Uh, but Coach Kelly, bless his heart, finally changed his defensive coordinator. A little bit too late. I was going to say better late than never, but kind of no. He replaced Jerry Azanaro with Bill McGovern. And I just have the question of, is this, I mean, this could probably be asked on a larger college football scale, but what is it with, with UCLA football coaches being plagued by their loyalty? Like what pictures of Chip Kelly did Jerry Azanaro have this? I mean, and I just say this because even coach Mora was so loyal to some of his coaches. And it's funny because in real life, we all want somebody who's loyal in our lives, but this is a business. And if you're not getting your job done, you got to go. So Azanaro just on for way too long. And now at least we have McGovern in that position. And hopefully we see the defense take big strides because it needs to, especially uh, the passing defense. Uh, speaking of passing, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, uh, article on him by the lovely Ben Bulk in the Los Angeles Times. Yes, we read all the Los Angeles news here on this podcast. But did an article on DTR, had him and his mom both in there and talked about how a sports gambling analyst had put this tweet out about Dorian Thompson Robinson and he retweeted it himself. And it wasn't, I'm going to show you or I'm spiteful. He basically said, you guys watch football. I'm not going to sit here and act like you don't know anything about the game. There's always some, some truth to that. That's why that person would be saying that. The tweet read... At some point this season, you will bet on UCLA because you've convinced yourself Dorian Thompson-Robinson is a good quarterback, and you will be sad every single year. Come on. Come on. I get. I feel like it's so hard on, especially when we talk about betting, just do not harass these college players. Not that that was harassment. It wasn't. But it just, it, I, it's already starting to pang in my heart because I just, it's not the same thing as guys who are getting, I guess, paid to do this. Now we have NIL. They are kind of getting paid. But um, these are college kids. And I don't think that that was overly, you know, critical. And even DTR said that he agreed with it. But yeah, that's that's got to be tough to read as like, an, like, I mean, he's not 18 now. But you know what I mean? When you're in college, like if somebody says, and you're like, oh, well, he's a player and he's got to toughen up. I don't know. Sorry for having a heart, I guess is my point. But that said, uh, I thought it was interesting that they said, you know, you're going to bet on UCLA and be sad about it because I think UCLA fans can relate to that every year. But his mom said, it's time to step it up. Walk like a pro, act like a pro, talk like a pro. I'm with Melva Thompson-Robinson. I believe Dr. Melva. I, I believe she's a doctor. Uh, so I want to give the respect there where it's deserved. But they have three big games they got to show up for, obviously. Um, SD and Utah being obvious ones. So they can get those done. 
Maybe we see them at the Rose Bowl. We'll see. Lots to, lots to dis- discuss or to see about that before we know. And lots to discuss about the WNBA playoffs. That's what we'll talk about next on the Los Angeles CityCast, presented by Bet River Sports. Bet Rivers has your bases covered with early week betting fun. Your baseball bet gets a little extra pop at Bet Rivers Sportsbook every Tuesday. Just log into Bet Rivers and receive a 20% profit boost on a baseball bet every Tuesday during the season. Use it on straight bets, player props, or a same game parlay. You decide, log on to the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com and get your 20% profit boost today. Welcome back in to the Los Angeles CityCast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Daniel Alvari here with you and ready to look at some of the very exciting storylines to know for the WNBA playoffs. We'll dive right into it. The Chicago Sky and obviously the Las Vegas Aces. The Aces grabbing the one seed. The Chicago Sky actually ending up with the two seed. Tapered off a little bit at the end, but I don't hate that. The Chicago Sky are built to win. And they could become the first franchise to repeat as WNBA champions since the 2001-02 Los Angeles Sparks. That's how long it's been. Nearly, I mean, over 20 years, really. So that's obviously a really fun storyline to follow along with as the Sky make their way through this. Uh, and Candace Parker being the huge one last, the huge storyline last year of her going back to Chicago last year and in her first year back winning that championship. So. Chicago, they're my pick to win uh, only because it was the Mystics. It still could be the Mystics, but the Mystics have to face the Storm. Those are the four or five seeds, and that's going to get tricky. We'll get into that in a little bit. Uh, the other storyline to know, the Las Vegas Aces could win their first franchise title, and it would be under their first-year coach, Becky Hammond. That doesn't, does that happen in other leagues? First-year head coach wins the title for their team. Now, granted, she came into a pretty loaded team to begin with and then just came in and whipped them into shape uh, and is also doing it, by the way, with absolutely no bench presence. That would be pretty cool. That would be a pretty cool thing to happen. It's also so interesting the way this Aces roster is built because it's literally like five MVP candidates, essentially, and then five other players that that cannot score. Nevertheless, could be their first franchise victory uh, title. And I want that for Becky. I just want nice things for Becky. Uh, The Connecticut Sun, 20th season of the franchise, shows up consistently, does the work, tops the leaderboards, has the stats to back them up, and cannot finish. Will they finally break through to a championship? Inquiring minds want to know. Seattle Storm, another great storyline here. Super, well, great and sad. Sue Bird, much like our lovely Sylvia Fowles, retiring at the end of the season. And will she help lead the Seattle Storm to a fifth title? She's won four. I actually was reading about Sue the other day, and a stat stuck out to me. She's the only WNBA player, I believe ever, to have won a title in three different decades. Obviously, 2020 being one, and then uh, in the 2000s and also in the 2010s. So those aren't the years, but they're the decades, you understand. Uh, But only player to do that when in three different decades. That's because she's been playing. She's been playing for a while. So will they run it back for her one last time? They are 
so interesting because I I feel like we didn't talk about them all season. And by we, I mean me. I didn't talk about them much in the in the during the season because they underperformed a lot. But it almost, you know what? The Storm are kind of like the sky of last season. The sky went into playoffs 16 and 16, I believe, last season. Just kind of eked their way in at the end. Uh, not that that was what necessarily the Seattle had going on. But yeah, like they had some illnesses. Brianna Stewart, I remember having COVID and coming back from it was a rough transition. We didn't see her best right away. Um, but just getting hot at the right time. Love that sports expression. And Sue Bird's final retirings. I don't know. This could be this could be just fire. Really fire. Elena Deladon missing all of 2020. Most of 2021 back issues anybody have back issues it's awful you turn 30 and it's like your back quits it leaves i don't know what's going on uh do your stretches by the way you're probably you need to do some stretching right now if you're not driving do a little stretch uh but comes back after that 2019 championship with the mystics can she help them do it again in 2022 She's had an incredible season. They did a great job of load management with her, which is, again, I know is a little bit comical for people because the WNBA played 36 games, but back injury, all right? Leave it alone. If you don't have back pain, no opinion. Uh, Elena Deladon, can they run it back? I guess it's not running it back because it was 2019, but it's running it back for her more or less because she hasn't really played since then. Lots of exciting storylines to look at, and obviously... Uh, the new format, something to look forward to as well. For the last six years, it's been single elimination in the first and second round games. Not anymore. Uh, the first round will be best of three. That starts Wednesday. And it will give the better seed the first two games at home. But a split in the series, so one and one, would allow the lower seed to host game three. How exciting is that format? Love that. Uh, and of course, the semifinals and the finals will be best of five. I always say this, but I really do want to know semifinals or semifinals. How do you say it? I don't think there's a wrong way, by the way, but I alternate myself. <laughs> semifinals, semifinals, semis, semis. I don't. Wednesday, not the semifinals. It'll be round one. Game one, New York at Chicago. At Bet Rivers right now, New York getting seven points. Total for this one, 164. Oof. Do we remember back to the Chicago game that they just completely smothered New York because I do that was early Chicago actually won three of the four regular season games New York snuck away with one of them I remember that one well as well uh, New York's been on a little of an uptick they went five and two in August second consecutive playoff berth that's called progress uh, and Sandy Brondella by the way this will not be new to her because the Mercury were eliminated by the Chicago last season and of course Sandy Brondello head coach of the New York Liberty was the head coach of the Mercury last year. So hopefully she doesn't repeat that, but most likely that will be what's happening to her team here. Because even though the Sky sort of went into cruise control, they're built for this. They have the most depth by far, and that's just the obvious hat we hang on this team. And can we just, though, for the New York Liberty, we, we shout out a lot of incredible things they've overcome, and, and we love cheering for the New York Liberty in general. But, but Nigel Laney, knee surgery, June 1st, back on the court, August 6th, what? Like putting my ankle recovery to shame right now. I'm like, if I'm not back on a basketball court in really one and a half weeks, because I'm about two and a half weeks post-op, what am I even doing? What am I even doing? God, I just want to be like Benijah. Uh, the other game on Wednesday, Phoenix at Las Vegas. Phoenix getting 15. 
in a playoff game in a play i mean it is versus the one seed granted but whoo phoenix plus 15 what are they the fever total for this one 168 we have a 7 p.m eastern start for this one it's on espn the aces the headliners they won all three of the regular season games but they all happened back in may and they won them by an average of 16 and a half points so all of them back in May, it's been three months since their last meeting. You would think that would mean progress for both teams. But unfortunately, the Aces actually started their season really hot. Uh, they're still very talented, but they did taper off towards the mid part of the season. We saw them basically in the upper echelon of a tier of their own. And that came back down to earth, of course. And Phoenix, I mean, Diana Taurasi, Skylar Diggins-Smith, and Tina Charles, by the way, who's now on the storm after her contract divorce, are all not playing for the Mercury. Skylar Diggins-Smith, personal reasons. Diana Taurasi, a quad injury, I believe. Uh, at least the Aces are, are missing Derek Hamby right now. I mean, that's not fun for us as viewers, but uh, maybe that helps a little bit for the poor Phoenix team here. I don't know. I really don't. I mean, honestly, even if Skylar Diggins-Smith was in and Diana Taurasi was not playing, I, of course, first of all, this line wouldn't be 15, but then I would feel more comfortable backing Phoenix with a ton of points, but I don't know. Who's going to do this? I, I, if Vegas doesn't win this in two games, it's, it'll be embarrassing. Let's just say that. Thursday, Dallas at Connecticut. Dallas getting 10 at Bet Rivers. And the total for this one, 163. This is a 5 p.m. Pacific time start on Thursday. Again, we'll go into detail and break these down more with the wonderful Calvin Wetzel on Wednesday's pod. But just looking ahead to these, again, macro level, just little details. Wait, that's the opposite of what I meant. Um, opposite of details. Just the big picture. <laughs> The big picture, guys. So the Sun locked up the number three seed. Okay. Little A plus student that they are. I love the Sun and I love this metaphor, as you can tell. And what do they get for it? Mm -hmm. They get partnered up with the kid in class who beat them in two of three games during the regular season, the Dallas Wings. How is that? I mean, can they catch a break? Can they catch a break? All they do is show up and do well, and this is what they get. So three seed versus Dallas. Again, Dallas beat them in two of three meetings during the regular season. This could be troublesome for Connecticut. And you have to ask the question, is this the upset territory on the board? Can Connecticut get upset by Dallas? They shouldn't. They've been in much better form since after the All-Star break. But Dallas... Dallas is tricky. Dallas is tricky. And the other game on the board on Thursday, game one, Washington at Seattle. Seattle with that home court advantage. Washington plus three and a half. I want a little bit more, to be honest. I'd like like five. Uh, and the total for this one at 159. 7 p.m. E Pacific time for Thursday for this one. It'll be on ESPN2. These teams, by the way, won three of the last four championships. This is elite. This is this is probably the one I'm most excited about because obviously I have a Washington to win the entire thing at 15 to 1. And I think if they can get by Seattle, that's a very live possibility. But this is a big ask. Uh, Seattle won two of the three regular season games. And yes, Elena Deladon did play in all three of those games. So this is actually the one team that gave the Mystics a little bit of trouble. Of course, you have Deladon versus Brianna Stewart. You have the battle of the MVPs. And unfortunately... For the Mystics and my ticket, uh, Brianna Stewart averaged 20 points per game and 4.7 assists per game, which was her highest averages against any opponent. The Mystics, my favorite defense, my defense that gives me unders and wins and covers, cannot cover Brianna Stewart and has to figure out a way to do that. Uh, also, home court advantage, as I mentioned, 
more than probably any other series. I mean, Seattle's home court is incredible. And I just don't know. I just don't know how this is going to work for the Mystics. They're going to have to sneak one of these out. And of course, Sue Bird. You think they're not going to be packing the house in Sue Bird's final playoff run? This is going to be a, a really hostile environment for the Mystics. It'll also be the first time since Seattle swept Washington in the 2018 finals that these two will face off in playoffs, I believe. So expect fireworks. I want a competitive game, but I wouldn't blame you if you thought Seattle wins this in two. If Washington can get it back to home on the third game, we got a live one. Thank you so much for listening to the Los Angeles CityCast. As always, we'll be back on Wednesday. Yes, you get back-to-back -back days this week. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, so please join us for more uh, Los Angeles and WNBA action uh, sponsored by Bet River Sports.